monster movies. That's, that's what a lot of horror flicks were colloquially, colloquially it's a five dollar word. No, that's what they were colloquially known as for a while, especially throughout the 1950s, where it seemed like there was no shortage of overgrown creatures fueled by nuclear radiation. The deadly mantis. Tarantula. With exclamation point. Oh, and the giant ant thing. I'm then? getting there. I'm oh. getting there. You gotta you, you wait for it. Let it breathe. Cause no. Because you, you, you're forgetting one. Godzilla. King of the monsters. And of course, <laughs> the wicked pincers of them. But monster movies go even further back than that era. It's a subgenre of horror that's one of, if not the biggest. And it goes all the way back to the very beginning of horror cinema. Mm-hmm. You know, the more of these we do and the more movies and subgenres we cover, it really becomes more and more poignant that we started this whole spook show slash spook talk show thing, whatever it is, with Frankenstein. We did. Yeah, and, and at the time it was just, it was, we were doing it in January. And my thought behind picking, aside from like just you know personally thinking like, oh my god, the Frankenstein subgenre is like so vast, and there's so many different ways people have taken it. Like it's it'd be cool to like watch four Frankenflicks that kind of mm-hmm. all take it in their own way, and also just like the the creation of new life to, you know, uh, ring in the new year. Like that was that was the deepest thought that went into that selection. <laughs> quite frankly for that first first month but um as it's gone along now it it continues to amaze me that when we start drawing these threads back from other subgenres and other other elements in in horror history all of them just kind of seem to connect to frankenstein and mm-hmm. and, and it being such a big part of the genesis of horror films <clears throat> Not not the primary genesis, for sure. For that, we'd have to talk about French director, and I'm going to butcher his damn name, but uh, but Georges Malaise, I think is his name. George, George Malaise. His work in... Yeah. yeah, I'm probably pronouncing it all kinds of wrong, but people who know don't will feel too bad. I, I couldn't pronounce it right either, and I, I yeah, I don't I don't know how to speak with I don't know how to speak with a French flair. No, <laughs> but That's why I don't it didn't continue my French classes. No, <laughs> um, but yeah, his work his work in the silent era of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, silent horror is one of the many potential themes I've got on the master list that myself and my co-host can choose from. So I'm sure we'll get to it at some point. And then I'll get the chance to drool all over Malaise, and I'll learn how to pronounce his name pronounce his name right by then, maybe. But uh, I'll get to drool all, all over his kind of vast contributions and hell, in many ways, genuine creation of the horror film. Full stop. Mm-hmm. But we're talking monsters, and we're talking Frankenstein, and with mm-hmm. the Thomas Edison produced Frankenstein film from 1910. It's safe to say that Frankie is one of the first monsters to make his way into movie history. So, once again, no surplus of praise or honor can be too much to Mary Shelley for crafting the source material that has inspired so much in its wake. But old Boltneck isn't the only monster that ushered in horror horror movies. Universal made a whole batch. Dracula, the Wolfman, the Invisible Man, the Mummy... 
And a late game edition, The Creature from the Black Lagoon. You want a fun piece of trivia? I know sure. I'm interrupting your no, monologue. No, by all but, means. I love it. Uh, so Dracula mm-hmm. means Dracul in Romanian, mm-hmm. which means devil. Oh, I didn't know that. Now you do. That's actually really cool. Yeah. Now I'm probably saying Dracul wrong. Dracul. <laughs> because I honestly do not know what a Romanian accent sounds like. No, and I'm not even going to attempt to try and figure it out verbally. So I'm, uh, I'm mean, probably going to do some investigation after this, though. Any Romanians that listen to this, maybe, like, by all means, like, send send over, send tweets of you saying the word Dracul in, in the proper accent, pronounced properly, and I will love it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, these five, Dracula, Wolfman, Invisible Man, Mummy, and Creature from Black Black Lagoon, those five, along with Frankenstein, of course, became the original horror icons. And they've been recreated, reimagined, recycled, and forced to fumble about with Abbott, Abbott and Costello ever since. Seems to me that, of late, the monster movies largely died out. These days, the monsters in our horror movies seem to either be decidedly human, decidedly ghostly, or, at least until recently, decidedly zombified. Now, I'd never kick the zombies or the ghosties out of bed for not being monstery enough for the monster club, but there's just something different about a real monster. I would agree. A unique, standalone, top-build, proper, goddamn, fuck-your-mother monster. The kind that thrills us, chills us, and leaves us begging for more. There have still been, still are, recent entries into the monster movie subgenre, two of which we'll be covering tonight, but it seems for now that the monsters largely have slunk back into the shadows, merely waiting, like a good monster does, to strike again. I hope, anyway. Because there's something special about a monster movie, something that I think calls out to those of us who get sucked into them and get so wrapped up that we become lifelong fans of horror, and more than that, lifelong fans of monsters. There's a sadness to them. There are these outcasts, these things that just don't belong, that the normies shun and cast aside and even violently reject. They're outcasts and loners, a lot like, for a long time, and even to some extent even now, the true blue hardcore horror fans themselves. For those fans, of which I count myself amongst them, it's not just that we love monsters. We're in love with monsters. I am. I it's like a, that <laughs> so much. It's a weird, sticky kind of love that's wrong in all the best ways, but it's also a very pure, very innocent, childlike love. Mm-hmm. So tonight, we're going to love on some monsters. Mm-hmm. And the first monster we're going to love on <laughs> is the Wolfman, from uh, the remake specifically from 2010, starring Benicio Del Toro and... Sir Anthony Hopkins, Emily Blunt, Hugo Weaving. Mm-hmm. Directed I recognized by... everyone. I yeah, love it's got, Emily it's Blunt, got a, by the it's, way. It's got an amazing... Ca- it's like, got a special place in my heart. Spo- spoiler alert, I, I absolutely adored both of these movies. Like, the, mm-hmm. like, choosing monster movies for this month was, one, a brilliant stroke. <laughs> <laughs> fitting for October, fitting for Halloween. Um, and then 
through no kind of real design or or pretense like the mo- I feel like the movies we picked were kind of perfect movies for this. Mhm. Because both of them like at least from my perspective like both of them very much one more so than other than the other but both of them really are just like love letters to classic monsters. Yes. Mhm. Um, and I, I thought both of them were just done so so well and so beautifully. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Wolfman from 2010, uh, which unfortunately, you know, was one of one of the many attempts or several attempts that Universal has has made to rekindle their Universal Monster series, their Dark Universe shared monster universe. Mm-hmm. None of none of which have gotten off the ground. <laughs> All of which have been kind of just train wrecks. Um, I think this is this was attempt number two of four or five rather yeah i think so yeah because originally there was the um i I don't know if they were intending a big old shared universe at the time but but the uh brendan fraser mummy movies was like the first real time they tried to like let's take the universal monsters and just let's redo them and bring them back um which yeah, the Stephen Summers Mummy, at least the first two are, are great movies, and uh, then that kind of led into, th- then they were like, okay, let's do more. So they lumped the, all of the other ones into a, a monster mash of a movie that was Van Helsing, which was not good <laughs> and didn't do particularly well. So then they abandoned it, <laughs> and then I believe this was their second attempt. And this movie went through development hell. Uh, I think it was originally announced that they were going to be doing it with Benicio Del Toro in 2006. Um, They couldn't get the original director, uh, who was uh, the guy who did One Hour Photo. uh, He eventually left for creative differences, and then they scrambled to find a replacement director, uh, which wound up being Joe Johnston, who did Jumanji and... uh, Jurassic Park 3 and The Rocketeer. And, uh, so he wound up getting the job. Uh, New very, Jumanji or, um... The original Jumanji. Oh, okay. He okay. also he also did Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh. Um, so he, he's done a number of movies, like, kind of, like, big... Bigger-ish, like, kind of ep- epic, like, set-piece movies and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, he got, he got the, the job very late in the game. And then had to scramble to get the movie put together. It got mm-hmm. it got pushed back through two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and finally didn't didn't come out until two thousand and ten, and didn't even make its uh, at that at the time it came out finally or it got finished finally the budget had inflated to one hundred and fifty million, and uh, it 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 didn't even clear that in the box office. Close, it's like one hundred and forty something million, but. Didn't didn't even make back its budget, so of course it's labeled a failure. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I don't I don't really remember. Like I remember being excited for it. Like I mean, fuck me. Like I never saw it in the theater. Uh, but I don't remember being in the theater very long. No. It kind of just came and went. Um. Because that would have been right before we met. Yeah. Your take, or right around when we met. And I remember being excited, like when I heard it, like Benicio, like I love Benicio del Toro. Mm-hmm. You so mean Elon Musk's better half. 
Yeah, he's not. No, he's he's spiced Brad Pitt. At least give the man that much credit. And he deserves even more credit than that, because Benicio yeah, Del does. Toro is just an incredible actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I, I learned from the, the Wikipedia on, on this movie, a, a huge Wolfman fan. He's been a huge Wolfman fan for years, so, he, so he actually cool. sought out yeah, this no, I, role. He was, he was great in this performance. I, like, I have no yeah. issues with no, and, the movie at all. And, the movies at all. Yeah, no, and like I've recently-ish before this, like I seen uh or watched uh the original wolfman mm-hmm. uh i think yeah, i had seen it before but i, I watched it again recently ish and, and as well as a few of the later um monster mashup universal like ho- uh, like wolfman meets frankenstein mm-hmm. house mm-hmm. of frankenstein house of dracula which were all amazing fun but all of those had lon cheney jr playing uh benicio's role uh larry talbot so, Lon Chaney Jr.'s performance and, like, the way he played that character was still pretty fresh in my mind watching this, and it's just, like, he he did his own thing, but, like, he was ma- he he was so perfect in that role because he really did kind of capture that, like, a lot of Lon Chaney Jr.'s performance of, of the Wolfman was just being this, this man who is, is cursed and doesn't want to live. Like, he wants to be stopped. Um, and, and he's basically, he's just, he's suicidal to that, to that point. Um, and even before he gets cursed with, like, like anthropy, uh, he still mm-hmm. kind of, like, has this kind of haunted visage about him. Um, but, but not entirely haunted, like, the, like, at least before the curse takes effect, he's, he's very, um, lighthearted and charming and funny. And I thought Benicio Del Toro, like, captured that perfectly. Like, he, both in recreating it, as well as adding his own kind of uniqueness to it. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. Um, <laughs> and what is the other movie that we are watching? Oh, I thought we were just getting into talking about The Wolfman. Oh, are, oh okay, okay. Yeah, because we do, we do sure. them one after the other. I wasn't sure. I'm sorry. Oh, well, I mean, we sorry. could say it. Anyway. The, the other one is The Shape of Water, which that's a whole yeah. other, holy... Yeah, we'll oh, we'll talk about that. That's, Don't worry. Yeah, no, that's that's a whole other huge huge conversation. But we'll talk, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk. So real quick before I get in on my opinion, of, I wanted to alert you because we are on the topic of monsters. Uh huh. Um, and you mentioned Godzilla, so I have some exciting news for you. Oh. Well, first we deliver some bad news. There might there's not going to be a Shin Godzilla too. Honestly, that doesn't... Well, wait, okay. Wait. My my reaction to that depends on what the follow-up news is. Okay, are you ready for this? Because you're going to be ready. You're going to love this. Yeah. They're bringing back the universe. They're giving us Mothra. They're giving us their individual movies Toho again. Is. Toho is. Toho is. Toho is, is recreating? Toho is bringing back the universe, yes. Okay. They're updating the universe, yeah. They're bringing us I'm, Mothra. I'm excited. They're gonna... Based on how Shin looked, yes, I'm. Oh yeah, no, very especially excited. yeah. If it's if it's, I mean, if it's just Toho doing it, like I, I'm probably gonna love it. Yeah, because those guys have been doing great work for decades now. Yeah, and even when their stuff but is cheesy as heck, it's still so much. It's so fun. much, and you can see the yeah. love. But I just needed to share that with you because I found that out earlier today, yeah. and I was saving it for now because I'm excited. Oh no, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I am excited. But yeah, no, as far as there not being, like, 
a proper sequel to Shin Godzilla. I'm... It's disappointing because that movie did leave off with a whole bucket of possibilities and questions that I would love to play that I would love to see explored. However, I could see Shin Godzilla also does very much feel like a standalone type Godzilla movie, which that's Mm -hmm. fine. That's part of the, the um, charm of the Godzilla series is that you can occasionally do just standalone films. Oh no. I think Shin Godzilla is our Godzilla. Oh, they're going to, they are bringing back Shin for, the new the the new they're universe just not gonna the do new a era solo yeah they're not just going to do uh, uh, Shin Godzilla two they're probably going to bring it back in something like Mothra versus Godzilla uh, where okay. Mothra well, comes that, in yeah, yeah that makes maybe, per- yeah you don't need to do a second Shin Godzilla where it's just no. Godzilla you don't so need to do not, that. yeah so they decided that instead of just doing Godzilla they're going to bring everything back I think they're tired that, that I mean no that, <laughs> I that think they're tired of America. I mean, I, I don't think they ever really cared. No. Quite frankly. Like, because even, even, when, even when Godzilla 98 happened, like, they were still doing their, their core Godzilla universe. Like, they didn't... I, I think they might have taken, like, a year or two off just to be like, all right, you do your little Godzilla movie, and then we're going to do ours, Godzilla Millennium, and it's also going to be in theaters and be way fucking cooler. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think they ever really... Like, there might have been contractual legal stuff that prevented them from being able to do stuff, but, like, I don't think they ever... I mean, I don't know. I've never Mm -hmm. talked to anyone over there, Mm -hmm. but, you know, at least it would be my hope that, like, they would just not... like. They're like, we licensed it out to you, you can do whatever the hell you want with it, and uh, we don't care. (laughs) We're gonna do our (laughs) own thing. (laughs) Which seems to be the case, based on the films. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. But no, because that's that's the way it's been. If this is a new, if this is if Shin Godzilla is the start of a new Godzilla era, then that makes perfect sense because the original Godzilla era it was Godzilla or Gojira, mm-hmm. and then from even Godzilla, even though it was just Godzilla raids again, not even a versus movie, it was Godzilla versus Anguirus. Mm-hmm. Like they they originally like after they they did the solo outing, they immediately started throwing other monsters at him to fight and same thing with the uh <clears throat> when we got into the era in the mid 80s throughout the 90s i can't remember what there is there's the showa era and mm-hmm. then there's i can't remember what the i think i think the showa era was the original era mm-hmm. and then i can't remember what the second era is that started with um over here it was godzilla 1985 but Godzilla 1985, pretty much, it's it's both kind of a direct sequel to the original Godzilla film, as well as being a reimagining of the original Godzilla film in a mm-hmm. m- more modern setting. And then, uh, so immediately for- after that, they, they didn't do Godzilla 1985 Part 2. No, they immediately after that, it was Godzilla vs. Biollante. Mm-hmm. So... It makes perfect sense that there would not be a just standalone Shin Godzilla 2. With just mm-hmm. Godzilla. So the first era was the Showa era. You are correct. There was, and then the next era after is that like is Heisei. Uh, Heisei era, and then Hi-C. the Millennium Period series. Oh, that's and right, right now, the Millennium Period. With yeah. Shin Godzilla, our our uh, era is called the Reiwa era. Okay. Yeah. That's right. I forgot that the Millennium Millennium era was kind of its own little mini thing. Which again, that started with. Godzilla, either Godzilla Millennium, Godzilla 2000, um, mm-hmm. 
But even then, even Godzilla 2000 was kind of almost... It, it was a restarting, but even then, in Godzilla 2000, there's another giant monster he's fighting. Yeah. So... Oh man, Godzilla 2000 is a lot of fun. I want to rewatch Godzilla 2000. I need to watch it in the first place. You yeah, we still have so much watched fun. It. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but, you got um, a lot of Godzilla stuff left to see. Yeah, we do. Um, but so Wolfman. Wolfman. Now that I've now that I've given you that delightful <laughs> news, which I've already um, talked about quite a bit. So yeah, no. Yeah, you say I, something. I. I, I, I Unfortunately, I don't remember much of the plot. Well, the plot I, the plot was fairly simple. Uh, Benicio yeah, del Toro was a a famous actor in in the London area. Or no, mm-hmm. he was over in America too. That's right. Yeah, I think it starts out he's he's over in America, or he had just been. To, no, he was an American, a famous American actor. He was he was over in London on a tour, and um, Emily Blunt arrives to let him know that his brother is missing little we do we does he know that brother's already long dead because there's a beast killing folk back in his hometown where he has a very muddied history and a strained relationship with his father so he goes back to get find out what happened to his brother and get Mm -hmm. revenge and runs afoul of werewolves that's the basic plot yeah yeah that's you know I, I i like that that summary it's a, it's a good plot but like i i don't remember much of that i just remember being in love with the way that benicio and emily blunt like act with each other like they're just they were both great yeah. yeah like i was enthralled with their acting the way they just sing together and benicio just the way his mannerisms and the way he acts and you know everything it's just it's 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 very nice to watch him act, honestly. Like it's he's he is he is a thespian. He is very good at what he, he is does. he is probably one of at the very least he's one of the greatest character actors mm-hmm. of, you know, our time currently, but like possibly ever, in my opinion. Like or it's just like a straight like he's an amazing actor. Like everything I've seen him in, he's just he's incredibly unique and incredibly magnetic like you can't stop mm-hmm. watching him and it's not that it's an oh, see, over-the-top feel... performance it's yeah. a lot of it is very like he, he can go over the top but a lot of his stuff is very kind of subtle but just quirky enough that it sticks mm-hmm. and you can't yeah, see, stop that's, watching it that's how i feel about margot robbie right now like, oh I watch, yeah I just same. Can't stop watching her i love same. her so much yeah margot but... robbie also has emerged to be like an incredible talent and I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah, she's she's amazing. But like, I I I enjoyed myself. It um, it was it was cool to watch. The effects were good. Um. Yes, Rick Baker. Amazing. I didn't realize it yeah. was Rick Baker until I watched the end credits and his name popped up. But as soon as I saw, you know, special creature effects, Rick Baker, I'm like, that makes so much sense. For so many reasons. And apparently that, again, once Rick Baker heard that they were doing a remake of The Wolfman, he he, he beat down doors to, to get that job. Because The Wolfman and um, Frankenstein were the movies that inspired him to even get into special effects. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, and Rick yeah. Baker also um, did the... Uh, 
Wait, I'm assuming this. Let, let me, let me, American, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Rick Baker also did uh, American Werewolf in London. Oh, Um. Yeah, wow, so, so he comes from kind of werewolf movie prestige, inspired by werewolf movie, and then went on to make one of the greatest, or the effects on one of the greatest werewolf movies ever. So oh, to see, see him, see, I was just talking to Exarkin about that, mm-hmm. and Exarkin said that the greatest movie, what's regarded as the greatest uh, werewolf effects movie, is um, the Howling. The Howling is also great. Yeah, I just yeah, always thought the... it was the American Werewolf in London that was the best. It, but I mean, I think it's they're so close. It's one of those where you're gonna get down to personal preference. There, mm. there, there's. I would say that there's. You know, it's safe to say that there's a strong subsect of super fans that are on both sides of. Yeah, there's the Howling fans and the American Werewolf in London fans, and they'll they'll get into little spats saying like, "No, ours was better. No, ours was better." And the fact of the matter is, they were both amazing. Like for me, yeah. I, I well, actually, no, I, I would say for me, as a whole, I think American Werewolf in London is the better film overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I would agree. But as far as the werewolf transformation scenes in each of them, they're they're both unique and different, and they're both mm-hmm. incredible for their own reasons. Yeah. Um, but they're they're both like ten out of ten werewolf transformation scenes. They're they're incredible. Mm-hmm. Um and it was fun, like it was it was especially fun watching this not knowing that it was it was Rick doing the effects. Because there's so many like it like the initial when Benicio initially transforms, like I, I was in my head, I was, I was like, this is very evocative of the American werewolf in London transformation. Like a lot of the shots and like what you're seeing and how he's twisting and, and and sprouting fur and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm like modernized of course. And there's CGI cause of course, Mm -hmm. because it makes if used properly it makes things smoother it does and i didn't hate the cg in this movie i thought Mm -hmm. the cg was actually very well done me too but it's just one of those things where unfortunately i blame tom savini for putting it in my head where he he described like how he couldn't take cg seriously because every time he looked at it he could tell it was cg and he's like that's not there in his brain, and I'm, I'm like, oh, fuck, he's right. <laughs> so, unfortunately, I do have to contend with that, but even so, like, yeah, no, the CGI is good, um, and it definitely aids in being able to do those sorts of shots. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the way it was filmed, <clears throat> CG aside, oh, yeah. just the way it was filmed was very American Werewolf and, like, kind of an homage to that. Mm-hmm. I, th- I felt... Um. Yeah, and I also really loved Anthony Hopkins in this. Yeah, I I was really surprised when I saw him because I forgot that he was in it. I forgot mm-hmm. that he was on the list as I was watching it, and, and he pops in, and I'm like, "Oh, hello there, sir!" I'm so delightfully pleased <laughs> that he showed up. Yeah. And I mean, Anthony Hopkins is just always fun to watch. Even, like, Anthony Hopkins has gotten so much prestige at this point that, like, the dude can literally just show up and say his lines, and you're still going to be like, oh, shit, it's Anthony Hopkins, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say that he's capitalized on that in some of his later roles. I'm not going to not say that either. Um, but but it's very clear and, and right, deservedly so. Anthony Hopkins is a sort of actor with the 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 talent and the prestige that he doesn't really have to try to get, deliver a good performance. Mm-mm. And what I found so special about his performance in this one is he's actually giving one. Yeah. He ha- he has a different accent. He has he has like a un- he's not just playing Anthony Hopkins. He's playing uh, Larry Talbot's father. He is, yes, he is. Um, and, and that was very cool to see. Like just, just seeing like this man who is just so, so dead inside. And like the the, it, it would be very easy to watch that performance and be like, wow, Anthony Hopkins really doesn't give a shit. And it's like, no, it's the character. The character doesn't give mm-hmm. a shit. Mm-hmm. And that's how he's playing it. And it's it's so good. It really is. Like, he did such a good job with that. Like, they, everybody in this movie did such a good job. Yeah. Like, I have yet to be disappointed by anything that any uh, that Emily Blunt has been in. Um, I don't know if I've seen her. No. I've seen her around. I don't know what else I've seen her in. Because I, I haven't, I haven't seen, seen Quiet Place in, or the sequel. Emily Blunt or Emma Stone? Was it Emma Stone? It was Emma Stone. No. Well, why do what I are you thinking of? Confused? I don't I know because they're very I'm... different. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm thinking of Emma Stone. Hold on. I mean, I love Emily Blunt too because Emily Blunt was in um, Devil Wears Prada and she's adorable. Okay, so yes, I do love both of them. Emma Stone, I love her because she's just ridiculous. But oh no, Emma Stone is a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, I, I love really her. like Emma Stone too. Emily Blunt, I I do no, I do love her. I've seen her. I'm pulling up her because I know I've seen her in a lot. I just can't. My brain ain't functioning. Yeah, I might I might be blank because I, I feel like I have seen her in other stuff. I just know that oh, primarily geez. we haven't seen her in a quiet place yet. That's, yeah, that's that's, that's the big one. Posting. Yeah, that's the big one. I know she's in that. I'm like I've not seen that. So she was amazing in a Mary and Mary Poppins Returns. Oh, that's she right. She was new Mary Poppins. She did a fantastic. I watched it. I did. She did a fantastic job. It is worth. I know you don't no, really she's... do musicals, but I mean, she I did like. A good job. I love the original Mary Poppins, mm-hmm. and I, and I'll okay. watch them. Uh, and it's uh, yeah, musicals aren't my genre, but I will, I will entertain a musical, and I will occasionally very much like a musical, kind of like. Uh, uh, romance love stories are not my genre at all, and yet <laughs> oh, there yeah. are the occasional ones that really, really land with me. But we'll talk about that next. <laughs> yes, and I'm very, very excited uh, to to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, no, Emily Blunt has been in. A she's lot, so good. Like, yeah, no, she's yeah, very she's, good. She's and she was very like good a in supporting this. role, but she is. She's just so versatile, and and I I can't help it. I love her. She's so sassy, and she's just got like this confidence. Whenever... She strikes me, and and it was very it was very fitting for the maybe maybe it's because this is the role of hers that I have in mind, you know, at the forefront because it's the one mm-hmm. I've I've seen most recently, but. She she's very fitting for 
basically like kind of like this type of movie where where the entire movie is is a throw it's a period piece but it's also a throwback to the classic era of you know 1930s 1940s filmmaking um and she fits very well in that like it's mm-hmm. it, she's very she's got very classical like kind of like both both like visually she she looks very like like a classical leading actress but also at least in her performance in this like she she did the performance of a classical leading actress um mm-hmm. that went so well mhm no she um no she did great and the great part is is like you say that about her in this but like we got to we got to sit down and we got to watch Devil Wears Prada it's my guilty pleasure <laughs> it's got young Anne Hathaway I mean I love it, her Meryl Streep yeah, I like her too. Um, yeah, and then it's got Emily Blunt, and they're they're in it pretty consistently. Also, the guy from The Mentalist is in it. The guy from uh, The Mentalist, uh, the blonde guy. Hold on. Oh, that dude. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. He kind of looks like a freaking Cupid doll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Simon Baker. Simon. That's Baker. right. That's his name. Yeah, I do. He it's looks Simon like Baker's... a Simon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nothing bad by no. that. It's just he no, looks I, like a Simon. Honestly, he's adorable. I I loved him, um, and I remember watching him in uh, The Mentalist, actually. So, but uh, yeah, Gramps has been watching a lot of that. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I wander by, I'm like, oh, there's that guy again. <laughs> yeah, he he literally. That's how everybody like remembers him because like The Mentalist. Surprisingly, a lot of people remember the show. Well, it and ran then, for a while, didn't it? It ran from uh, 08 to 15. Yeah, it ran for a while. Yeah, it was mm-hmm, kind of a yeah. big deal. Yeah, it ran for seven years. Yeah, yeah. that's that's solid. Mm-hmm. That's a solid, yeah. I think it had a proper end and everything. Oh. But, um... No, like, I, the Wolfman was good. The graphics were... The graphics? I'm so tired, apparently. Um, oh, no. The special effects were, were beautiful. I... Like yeah. I, I think on my sheet I put like um, special effects. Like it was a tie. I couldn't pick. I really couldn't. Uh, yeah, you you did give it a tie. I tied a couple of things. FX wasn't one of them. Although I don't know why. I I don't know why because I did absolutely love the effects in both of them. But honestly, this month was was difficult not to just be like straight ties down the board for everything. <laughs> um, yeah, and neither of them were scary to me. So, um, not even like Wolfman. Like I said, like I was, I, I was, I was a little. I think I was bored with the story, but I was enthralled with the acting and the characters. You know. Yeah, and that's that's a huge part of the movie is just the characters and the performances <clears throat> and eventually, you know, the monsters. Um, but I did like, I, I, if anything, I appreciated how much, and, and apparently looking at it, the version we watched was the, the extended version. Okay. It's about 14 minutes longer than the theatrical version and included, uh, like the one scene that I saw, that was included in this version that wasn't included in the theatrical cut was the um the scene on the train with uh Max von Sydow 
uh, where he gets the uh, the silver-handled wolf cane. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that was cut out of the theatrical version, which, on the one hand, I understand. Like, there's the really that scene doesn't do anything. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't really do anything to advance the plot or anything like that. It's just kind of a transitionary mm-hmm. scene of him getting to the town. But I love that scene. And, and not just because, you know, Max von Sydow is always great to see, but just the presence of establishing him getting that cane, because that cane was straight out of the original film. Oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah, cool. yeah, that, that cane is straight out of the original uh, Lon Chaney Jr. film. And in the Lon Chaney Jr. film, there's also a scene uh, where he gets the cane. Uh, it's a very different scene in the in the original. It's it's basically him going cane shopping as an excuse to flirt with the pretty girl behind the counter, who who was the female lead in the original Wolfman movie. Uh, mm-hmm. It kind of just establishes like their their relationship in the movie. Uh, whereas this one, it's just some old man he happens to be sharing a cabin with on the train. Uh, but but even so, just like the way, like the little twist on how he gets the cane, and like this this strange little story that Max von Sydow's character tells him about the cane and how he acquired it and how he wants to pass it along to a young man and everything like that. I, I just thought that was brilliant, um, right? And just just so <laughs> so nice to watch, and also just a nice homage to the original. Like so right. much of this, I was I was like they've they've put their own unique twist on it, but there's so much care or care and love for the original just on the screen. Right, like how amazing would it have been if, uh, uh oh my god, I cannot say his name right now. My tongue is twisted. Junior was still alive. Oh, Lon Chaney Junior. Thank you. Yeah, for some weird reason, I wanted to say Don Lon. Oh my god, it's not <laughs> right. Don, Don Lon Chaney Silver. <laughs> the pirate. But, like, how cool would it have been if he had still been alive and had been able to, like, be the old man? Like. Oh, that would have been great. And I, I imagine, right? like, um, that might have been kind of the intent in, in writing that was that. Like, like, I could see that from the writer's perspective, where they're like, I want to put basically a Lon Chaney Jr. cameo scene in here. Like, a, a kind of... Because that literally is what that, that scene kind of is, now that I think about it. It is a passing, mm-hmm. the, like, a quite literal passing of the torch scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, Lon wasn't around to do it. Uh, and But instead, they got Max von Sydow, who's also, like, a very well-renowned actor who's been around for years. Uh, has ties to the horror community. He was in The Exorcist. Uh, he in The Exorcist. He w- he was uh, Father uh, the Old Priest. Wow, he's still kicking. I believe. Let me confirm that. Let me confirm. Uh, I'm I'm drawing this based on my own. Recollection and assumption. Uh, not seeing it in. Am I wrong? Am I just straight up wrong? <laughs> wait, no. wait, 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 wait. 
Uh, yeah, no, wait, hold on. Yeah, The Exorcist, 1973. He played Father Lancaster Marin. Yep, I was right. That's Max. How, how old is he now? Uh, let's, well, he, he unfortunately died in 2020. <laughs> so he was, yeah, 1929 was when he was born. Holy cow! So, so yeah, he was 70-year career. More than 150 Jesus. films, several television series. Uh, yeah, no, he... he well, I talk prestige. Yeah. Talk about long life. Mm -hmm. Six <laughs> foot four. I didn't realize that either. You know, it he's makes sense dude. considering he did look very tall in The Exorcist, the more I think about it. Yeah, but... he's very, yeah, mm -hmm. very, very tall dude. But right. still, so mm -hmm. like, yeah, having, having Max von Sydow there being as the one who passes the torch along, or the cane along, as it were, was very cool. Mm -hmm. Um. So, and, and just, yeah, no, like, and just the visuals and, and the sets and everything like this is like that was that was the thing that i kept kind of marveling on as i was watching it where i'm just like this is classic horror this is epic horror because everything okay. is just on this whole whole grand scale like these huge like even the one scene where i think uh when benicio is like running running away from the people after him in in london after he becomes mm -hmm. the wolfman and he just like there's just one brief scene where he like bursts through like I think it's a theater or, or or like a like a restaurant or something and just like it it looks like, you know, a restaurant from the eighteen hundreds and everybody's in these full costumes and there's this beautiful set decoration and everything like that. I'm like I'm like, you don't see that anymore. Mm -mm. Like you don't see these grand sets and, and huge scenes with lots of extras who are, who are dressed in period clothing just there to basically be set dressing. Um, you got a lot of that actually in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We did. We did. Mm -hmm. um, but still, not to that, like, I don't, I don't remember there being any scenes in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where, like, he, he, there, there's a scene in a huge room with, like, 30 or 40 extras sitting around in the background all dressed up for for in their Sunday best going to dinner. Yeah. Just just there to look like they're in 1800s London. Yeah. Uh and, and as well as like this huge room uh dress to look like it's in 1800s London. Um, right. Well, maybe we just don't watch enough movies like that cuz I feel like Grams watches a lot of stuff about that cuz she was telling that's me true, about That's true. That's true. Yeah, she was acting, and she, you know, she got a lot of roles like that, and it wasn't that long ago, so. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, specifically, so, so what I'm saying is specifically in a horror film. Oh, in a, in a, okay, in a, in a I apologize. Modern, in a modern horror film, um, it's rare to see, like, something of this budget done, set in, you know, 1800s. With such grand visuals and such grand set designs that harken back to basically the ones from the 30s and the 40s. Yeah. So that that was just cool. Like again, like just 
as I said earlier, just like the fact that both of these movies in their own way are just to me scream like passion has screamed to be um passionate love letters to that era of film mm-hmm. that was that was very cool to see it was <coughs> um, they they really were because like what shape of water was 50s um 60s 50s or 60s oh where was it was based uh mm-hmm. yeah i would say i'd say it was probably based around in mm-hmm. the 50s 50s yeah. era cold war like start of the cold war the the whole um espionage angle with the russians yeah, yeah. Or, or at that time the uh the soviet union Mm-hmm. yeah but no i it it was a very well-designed movie um yeah it's just and i think it's that's honestly why i liked it so much yeah like i don't care about i i've heard the story Mm-hmm. You know, or iterations of the story enough times that I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. But like this <coughs> one, it, it, in a way for me, as far as like other other werewolf movies, just simply because the actors were just so good. Each character was very interesting, yeah. and I wanted to know more. So, like, oh yeah, even like I don't think me, I don't yeah. think we even mentioned, but like Hugo Weaving's character, like I loved him. Right, as kind of the the pseudo Van Helsing of the movie. And like his backstory that we get a little bit of, where where he was a lead investigator on the Jack the Ripper case, which of course of course blew up in his face, and he's kind of disgraced from that for that. And he's trying to uh, trying to prove himself, uh, and just his journey and his his like um, his experience of going from well, you know, Larry Talbot clearly he's he's a madman. He's a madman killer. And then to see his, like, the, the look on his face when they're in the hospital. And he's go and, and Benicio Del Toro is going through the transformation, like, right over the doctor's shoulder. And him just, right? the look in his eyes is he's like, oh no. I, I was, was wrong. wrong. <laughs> Monsters yeah. are real. Was just yes, so they good. Are. Yeah, that was, that was great. Like I couldn't have asked for a bit. Like I'm just watching that. I'm like, this you'll is no sooner turn into to a wolf, man, as I will go flying through that window right there. I was, I was like, you're setting up your own death, and I love it. Oh, I, did. I was like, this man is gonna go through that window. Yes. Oh my god! No, I like. I honestly, I don't have much to say otherwise like other than just it was it's just an interesting watch um, yeah no it's i would say i mean yeah no if you like the old universal horror movies like this was mm-hmm. yeah it was a very was, nostalgic this is like a beautiful recreation love letter to that i don't know how they mm-hmm. would have necessarily um spun off to make this into like a, a you know, dark universe shared monster movie series, but at the same time, um, there's the, a reason that did not succeed. Well, there's there's a lot of re- like yeah. I, I think it's just that Universal has no idea what the hell they want to do with it. Then, like the, the making of this movie being a pure example, like the the constant delays and 
<clears throat> juggling of directors and just just shorts like expanded budgets and then short shorter and shorter shooting schedules and and everything like that um and it's just like it, it screams of there's a lot of i people with ideas throwing them around and but but no real clear rudder steering everything like say what you will about the the marvel franchise as it is but um paul feig like it seems like he has had his hand on the rudder and he has a grand vision and he, he's kept everyone in tune with that grand vision you know for better or worse uh but it's worked um whereas the universal stuff it seems like they they don't know exactly how to do it and they don't they don't know who they want to do it and there's not anyone that has you know both the idea and the power to see it through and then they come out with, you know, a $150 million movie and doesn't even make its budget back. And they're like, okay, well, that was a failure. Abandon everything. Abandon everything that was associated with this movie. This movie doesn't exist. We have to start over from, from scratch, which I understand from an investment standpoint. Um, but it's also very shallow, narrow-minded thinking. And it... it a lot of times kills things before they even have a chance to breathe. Um, and as I understand it, it was the same thing with the, uh, the one they tried to do after this, the Dracula untold movie, which mm -hmm. I haven't seen, but as I understand, they tried to go follow the Marvel formula a little bit more and tried to turn Dracula into a little bit more of a, superhero type character. And oh, no. again, they didn't really promote it. It kind of just snuck out. And nobody went and saw it, and it didn't make money. And they're like, "Okay, this movie no longer exists. Scrap it. Throw it away." And then the last attempt they made was that Tom Cruise mummy movie, which, as I understand, wasn't even a particularly bad movie. But mm -mm. Um, I can't say it wasn't under it was under promoted because I remember seeing the trailer for that movie about ninety seven thousand times. Mm -hmm. But the trailer was. Kind of like the Dark Universe concepts as a whole. The trailer was confusing. Mm -hmm. the, tra the trailer looked more like a like a Mission Impossible Tom Cruise movie than it did a horror movie or a mummy movie or anything like that. And it was a lot of Tom Cruise screaming. I hate <coughs> that trailer. I hate that trailer. No, I, I was I, the first time I saw it, I was like, okay, this could be interesting. And then I saw it five more times, kind of against my will. And I was like, I hate this this <laughs> looks terrible uh, mm. I can't imagine I'm the only or we're the only person people who reacted that way it's certainly the box office numbers showed that and uh, yeah that seems to have been the end of the Dark Universe saga at least for now probably they'll try again in a couple more years mm -hmm. <laughs> I hope it takes off because honestly that'd be cool I, w I would love to see Universal come back and <clears throat> kind of bring back an era of the classic, the classic monsters, and somehow yeah. find a way to merge them together and put them all in this weird kind of gothic shared universe. Like, I, the, the idea, I think, is solid, and I love it. I just, I mean, I don't know how you would do that. No, um, neither do I. I... 
and and even so, like I would say, you know, the the Wolfman one from twenty ten, I think that was a good start. But you know, uh, it didn't make money, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and unfortunately, if something doesn't make money, they just they 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 stop doing it completely, like. Especially Universal. Yeah, even if it uh, like, and it didn't get you know great reviews either. But even if something many years later starts becoming, you know, people finally pick up on it. Mm-hmm. They, they, by then, it's too late. Like like the Dread film that um. Carl Urban did. Mm, Unfortunately, mm-hmm. no one went and saw it in theaters, so many, any sequel or, or any continuation of that series died on the vine, even though once people did finally find it, um, it's pretty much universally regarded as being incredible. Mm-hmm. But, unfortunately, then, then by then it was too late. Well, that's the case, unfortunately, a lot of the time. Yeah. It's the it's the way of it's the way of the movies, obviously. Which I again I get to some extent because like think about it, like a hundred and fifty million dollars. You you invest a hundred and fifty million dollars. That's a lot. That's yeah. that's that's an unfathomable, and that's not even the most expensive movie ever. No. <laughs> But, but yeah, so, like, it, it's wild to, to, like, see that, oh, how much money did, you know, the Wolfman from 2010 make at the box office? Almost $150 million. You hear that, and you're like, oh, my God. It made a lot of money, and it did. Unfortunately, it cost even more money to make it. <laughs> yep. Which is insane. So, so in, in the eyes of the the accountant it doesn't matter why it doesn't matter how it doesn't matter what decisions went into it to make it be that way it's just it's a failure yeah you're right and that is that is a lot of the time how they they look at it so are we gonna are we gonna talk about shape of water <laughs> Oh wait, we gotta do. Let me see. What did, what did I give? Yeah, what did what did I give? <coughs> well, I tied. I tied both both of them for favorite kill. Mm-hmm. Which which we'll get we'll get I'll get into the one from from Shape of Water. Get to it, but uh, well, first of all, like the entire like the the attack on the gypsy camp in Wolfman. I I love that scene. That, that entire has, scene was incredible. It's favorite kill for me. Um, but even I think it was I think it was later on after Benicio del Toro transforms for the first time, and he's like hunting through the woods, and he takes off the du- like the dude runs into the to the to the moor, and he gets stuck, and then you get the the nice close up she- scene of his face as his head gets ripped off. I was like, oh fuck, that's so good. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so so many of the deaths in The Wolfman were just so creative and gory and fun that I had to at least tie it. Uh, I gave it comfiest movie because again, mm-hmm. it's got it's got that classic Universal monster movie feel to it, and right. those are always so comfy. I did give it scariest 
not necessarily that it scared me, but like it had it had a great spooky atmosphere. Like mm. I, I would say of the two this month, that one that one at least it creates the environment to be scary. Yeah. I can see that. Um and I and I think it created the environment very well to be scary. As as to whether or not it was effective, that depends on the person. Mm-hmm. Um I gave it sleeper hit because I honestly wasn't sure like I, I was I was under the impression that I would probably enjoy it, but just based on the fact that like you don't really hear people talking about it, it wasn't successful. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure how it was gonna go and I wound up really loving it. Um it was it was tied for favorite music. Also music in uh, The Wolfman, done by Danny Elfman. Oh wow. Yeah. Very near and that was another thing, like that Danny Elfman did the score and then they just they cut scenes out and suddenly they were like, Well the score doesn't work because it just it slams together too much and so so we're gonna get um somebody else to do the score. So they got somebody else to do the score and tried to give it a, a like a synthy underworld type vibe. And then unsurprisingly they found out that an underworld synthy type vibe really doesn't go with an 1800s London period piece werewolf movie very well. So they scrapped that, and then they finally went back to Danny Elfman's score and just had some other people like adjust it slightly to make it work better. So, yeah, even more evidence of like, yeah, the, the people on the production end, the suits, the guys throwing the money around... They didn't they really. The they, they didn't know what they wanted. Um, but still, Danny Elfman does an amazing score, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I gave it most entertaining. It's very very entertaining flick. Hmm. Uh, so for me, it was uh, favorite kill. For the Wolfman again, the Gypsy Camp kill and the the swiping mm-hmm. of the head that those were great. Oh yeah. Um, and it got it tied for favorite SFX for me because, like, honestly, yeah, there was a bit of CGI, but like they they both it was hard to pick. Um, otherwise, those were the only I really loved Shape of Water. Hmm. Oh yeah, I mean that. Okay, so one last thing on the Wolfman that. Somehow we didn't mention, but like the av- actual Wolfman prosthetic effects once he's fully trained, like once Benicio is the Wolfman, right, was so great because right, it's so it's clearly so so much of that is taken from the original, mm-hmm. and apparently that was a big sticking point for both Rick Baker and Benicio del Toro. They insisted on that. Oh, nice. Like they were, they were like, if we're doing this, we want to pay respect to the original makeup artist and their design. We're doing the Wolfman. We're gonna make him look like the Wolfman, and I appreciated that so much. <clears throat> but okay, yes, The Shape of Water from <laughs> 2017, Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. So I, I enjoyed this a lot. Oh, I love this movie. Yeah, that's I expected to, and it still kind of surprised me how much I loved it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I can understand that. I uh, it made me cry. Yeah. I mean, I cried when I thought you know everything was gonna just go to hell. Um, <clears throat> but it, I just there's so many emotions about and the music was amazing. I got favorite music. Yeah. Today. I mean, all the other so, categories that's why it tied for me. For me, for music. Yeah. I, I really love the music in this. But, um, I just, good lord. The, the characters were great. Having a lead actress that doesn't speak. Like, mm-hmm. and, and she did such a good job. Oh, no, she was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 like, the, <laughs> my, my first note, uh, <laughs> Uh, about it was was particularly like like the movie basically kind of just starts and it goes through that very like that that beautiful kind of underwater dreamscape sequence but then we were were introduced to eliza and and we kind of get to see her morning routine and the fact that like one of the first things we see her do is vigorously masturbate in the bathtub i was like i did not see that coming and mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. I love it for a couple reasons. One, I'm a perv, admittedly, mm-hmm. so it made me happy on that level. But even more so than that, just from like a, a character storytelling type thing, like just that one little brief. And it's not it's not exploitative or gratuitous or anything like that. It's it's very mm. subtle. It's very quick. But it's also, if you're paying attention, very obvious what she's doing. Um, but it just it it humanizes her. And makes her so relatable in that one little blip of a moment. Mm-hmm. That it really does. And, and I think it's a great way of making people realize that, that handicapable people have desires as well. And I think that's what I yeah. love. And, I, I and mean, it was also... There's, it was there's, also, there's yeah. that. There's also, there's also women have desires as well because like that's yeah. that's not usually a scene you would see unless you know it was very gratuitous and exploitative but like mm-hmm. a subtle little scene like that to build character like you wouldn't see that for for no. women usually um but but yeah and also it was and something that like carries out throughout the entire film that i really really loved and appreciated was that there there's the so much of it is whimsy Mm-hmm. So much of it is 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 a love story fantasy, and yet, all throughout it, there are these little blips and little sprinkles of just stark realism mm-hmm. that ground it mm-hmm. and make it something more than just like oh, once upon a time, and then they lived happily ever after. Like like that stereotype, boilerplate, boring ass storybook nonsense it those little moments of grounding and that and at the very beginning we have that moment and it very much grounds it it's like it's like okay she's a real person right (laughs) because because this is very much this is just her morning routine this is just the thing she does like it's not you know over the top or or like this this moment of like oh i saw a cute boy and now i'm fan it's like no that's just what she's doing Mm mm-hmm She's just doing some early morning blowing off steam while getting clean before she heads off to work to to do her, you know, menial job. Yeah. And, and, and it just it makes her so human. It yeah, and and that was that was really just brilliantly done. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. It's got this very fairy tale, tale mystical, like yeah, it's, la la la. It it fantasy setting, but it really is. And and then it brings it brings you back down. It it takes you high high high, and then it takes you back down with the subtle racism and subtle. The, well, <laughs> oh, I mean, okay, subtle subtle in a certain way because. The movie does not feel the need, nor did did I think it had to at all, and I appreciate it, to to like throw out slurs or anything like that, but but still make it very ever present and very clear that there is latent racism. So um, what I meant by subtle is like I, I guess um, the fact that there were no expletives. It, it wasn't and... in your face. No. Yeah. And and and, like, and a lot and of the movie was like that. Where it, yeah, kind of kind mm-hmm. of like the masturbation scene. It's not in your face. It's just there. And, so and yeah, I, the racism was very much like that. Where it's just like it's yeah. it's is from a different era. It's like this is just kind of the way things is, and it's not pretty. And I love Octavia Spencer. I love her so Oh, much. yeah, she's she so good. great. She is hilarious. She is I, so Anytime good. I've seen her in something, she's just... She's great. And I really, really want to watch her um, in that new horror movie, Ma. Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah I've heard, I, I think I've I heard good things. Yeah. I need to see it. I don't care. Like, even if it's trash, I just want to watch her act. Oh, I no, yeah, I, lo- her. I love her. Her so. facial expressions are the best. I love her, especially <laughs> when, when uh, her and, um, oh, man, now I can't remember her name. The lead actress's character's name. Uh, Eliza. Eliza. Um, so, like, I love when they're sitting there and, you know, they did, like, she, she, she boned the fish man. And, <laughs> and, that's and then so, like, I, and then he's she's telling her, and she doesn't even stop there and go, "You, that's wrong." She just sits there and go, "He has." Yeah, and I was so <laughs> I didn't know I didn't know which way her character was gonna go on that because there's two very different ways to play that. Like, e- either she's going to get it and sympathize, or she's going to be so um, disgusted by it that she's going to basically become a villain and try and sabotage it and i'm so glad it went it went the way it did i'm yeah, so glad that that she she just got like she was a little taken aback but she just got it and she's like she's she's like this is dumb you're doing a dumb thing you you shouldn't be doing this but at the end of the day she's she's like oh damn it girl you're in love yeah. all right fine i'm going to help you mhm <laughs> um but... Yeah, no, I, I really love that about her character. It's like, never trust a man, even when he's flat down there. No! <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, she, was, she was great. She was much neat. Like, she was just a... I mean, and... <laughs> I know The Help isn't usually one of your movies, but that one's so good. It yeah. really showcases I, her. I heard it talent. was very good. It's Yeah, it's it's very... It's very tear jerky. I I have found that I I cry easily apparently now. But, <laughs> yeah, you know. I'll probably watch it stone faced and unmoved. Probably you lack <laughs> humanity, but that's a different thing. I, I I mean I do, but at the same time, 
Like, yeah, you said this movie made you cry. This movie, I got misty multiple times in this movie. Mm-hmm. Mo- like throughout, mm-hmm. for for so many different reasons. Like this, yeah, one, and like, for you, that's a lot because you don't like. I, I've seen you cry once in my life, honestly. Yeah, and like like no full tears, but like clearly, I got the lump in the throat. I'm like, oh fuck. Um, oh no, this cat. Um, but yeah, just for so many, like on so like just the movie itself is beautiful. Um, and then the story and the characters are so beautiful and and really, I think what, what gets me and what comes through so clearly in this movie. And I think that's why it hit me on such an emotional level is that this movie is, it's Guillermo del Toro ripping out his own beating heart. And bleeding pure, beautiful love over every frame. Yeah. Like, this is a movie that every single moment, every single scene, shot, all of it just screams just pure, sincere, passionate love. And I think that's honestly what, like, that, this movie helped me understand what, um what fish like when we were talking about like love actually and like we've talked about it before it makes me understand like i get it i don't it's a fun concept to fantasize about it Um, is and while yeah while i still don't feel that that it is a realistic expectation personally it Mm. it's still very much fun to watch that like unconditional devoted you are beautiful no matter what you do love right like, and, um, it's just well that's the thing when that, when that comes across and when that comes across sincerely uh me being the cold-hearted cynical bastard that i am i am susceptible to it this movie is proof of that mm-hmm. where it doesn't connect for me it, like like with love actually like with the uh warm bodies is that both of my experiences watching those movies is like to me it's kind of like the cgi thing where no matter how Mm -hmm. good the cgi looks my brain knows that's fake Mm -hmm. it's not really there somebody went in with a computer and copy pasted it in it's like Mm -hmm. that there's no like like i can kind of sense where the the difference between sincerity and manufactured um, right, not right, that there's right. anything wrong with with enjoying something like Love Actually or Warm Bodies or anything like that, but for me, Mm-mm. those are so clearly, in my mind, manufactured. It's the passion and, and, and emotionally manipulative to make you feel that way, and and therefore I decide not to engage with it because fuck you for trying to manipulate me. So mm-hmm. so so insincerely, insincerely and so callously, because I know. Probably the majority of you making this movie are just as cold-hearted, cynical bastards as I am, if not more so, because you're trying to make money off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're just following following the uh, the basic guidelines of this is what you do to make the to make them clutch their pearls and go, oh my, isn't it so cute? Oh my, isn't it? So cute. <laughs> and, and I have no patience for it, and I think it's it's bullshit and doesn't entertain me. Oh. Um, whereas again with this, like no, it's it's sincere. 
Mm-hmm. Like, like, and it's it, like Guillermo del Toro hasn't been secretive at all about how much he absolutely loves monsters. Mm-hmm. It's it's in all of his movies. Mm-hmm. It's it's always been there, and it, he's also been very upfront and blatant about he loves cinema, mm-hmm. which again has been so clear and present throughout all of his films. But this was this was almost Guillermo del Toro doing kind of the um. The, the the Lars von Trier thing. Mm-hmm. How Lars von Trier makes movies where he kind of just talks to himself and, and philosophizes, like has two characters philosophize with one another, but it's just him talking to himself. Yes. This is kind of like that, only in this instance, it's Guillermo del Toro just saying, this is what I love. Yeah. And let me share with you my vision like, let me show you show you this through my eyes to show you how much I love it, mm-hmm. and how I love it, and why. Um, and also, kind of the I I feel like the internal his own internal philosophy as to as to why it, like him asking himself these questions as to why he loves it and and everything like that and his own process of of loving things and even loving things with with warts and all. Because, mm-hmm. like, you can't tell me that he didn't spend just as much time loving Michael Shannon's character, um, uh, Strickland. Oh, and, yeah? You can't tell me he didn't spend as much time loving that character as he did uh, the Gill Man in mm-hmm. this. Like, because the, the love is there. Because uh, Strickland, he's, he's a very kind of standard type villain for this type of movie, but... Mm-hmm. He's he, also he goes, a monster. He, he goes. He he's also a monster, but he goes a step further to show us that as much of a dick as Strickland is, he's st- he's like Eliza with the the bathtub masturbation. I'm going to tie as much as I can back to it because I love it so much. Yeah. Uh, as much as that scene makes her human, we see we see just as much scenes with Strickland's character that also ground him and make him human. Like the scene where he's talking to his boss, where he's he's like, "I've done so much for you. How can you define me by this one fuck up?" And, and you realize in that moment that like he he isn't he isn't a good dude, but he's he's not he he's trying. He, he's, you know he would have taken advantage of Eliza. Oh the oh yeah no he's not uh, yeah like make no mistakes he's not a good dude, uh-uh. but there is still some moral compass in him even if it's tweaked yeah um even if his if his world philosophy Mm -hmm. is is very kind of twisted he's not pure evil right Um, he still has things he's trying to take care yeah he he's just a guy he's like i just i want to drive around in a nice cadillac i feel like i deserve it (laughs) for all the things i've done it's like okay like you're you're a piece of shit but it's like on that one small little level, mm-hmm. it's it's relatable. It's it's like okay, I get that. The, the way you're going about it, and a lot of the other shit you're doing is just not okay. But at the same time, I can see how he got there, and also just like the level of, like especially in the scene with the general, like seeing just how much pressure he is has placed on him, and is probably placing on himself. To, that's kind of turned him into this monster, mm-hmm. where he is just kind of brute force, just 
kind of monstrous to everything around him. Because mm-hmm. the alternative is, if he if he fails, he's he's fucked. Everything gets taken away from him. Um, mm-hmm. and again, that that just shows that Guillermo del Toro like pure, poured love onto everything. Mm-hmm. Even the bad stuff, and he didn't shy away from the bad stuff. He, he no, like, he did not. From, from the like, there's there's love for the era it's set in, but again, warts and all. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. No, I, he, I. He is. Yeah, I would love to meet him and just be like, "You're amazing." Like, no, I would. I would love to sit down with him and just just talk monsters and movies. Because mm-hmm. because I imagine it would be fat. Like I I don't know how much. Like I can't fathom how much information in his, is in his head. Mm-hmm. So much, and it, it's probably just a great little reference. But like, no, the music is was amazing. The music was great. Beautiful. Yeah. Both both the uh, the score and the the songs that they chose. Mm-hmm. But it's just that bathroom scene. Where the they close scene. the door it's and they so, it's so goofy towel. and also and so like, beautiful. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's so beautifully it's, it's set up. Very and, beautiful. You know when 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 he opens the door and all the water rushes out and like you <laughs> you, you want you know he's like he started out mad but then he sees them both there and he's just like oh. <laughs> like oh you kooky kids. Yeah, and then well, like my heart his... broke when he was at the diner. Oh yeah. Yeah, my heart broke, and I was like, "Oh, he just wants someone to love him too." Yeah, and again, like just the way that was handled too, like that kind of, it's subtle at first, and then it becomes very obvious. It's like it's like, oh, he's he's gay, mm-hmm. and he and he has a crush on the guy at the at the pie diner. Oh. Yeah, because the pie is crap. The pie is dog <laughs> shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, but even the way that was handled was like very, it it was subtle and yet not. Yeah. Cause like they're talking and they're getting along and they're having a fun time. And then you see, and then it cut, like you have that dreamy fantasy where you're like, oh, this is cute. And then all of a sudden it cuts to this black couple walking in. Yeah, and, I saw that. I was, then, I was like, "Oh no, like, I know how this. I know how this is gonna time. end." I was yeah. like, "Oh fuck!" And then I didn't realize he was gay at that point. Like, I, I, I really? apparently was missing. I didn't. I was missing all the signals. I just thought he was an awesome artist, old man, and I just loved him for it. Like. No, I thought... I, well, okay, it was subtle then because because I picked up that on picked up on mm-hmm. that in the the first diner scene, no. where where he, where he's like, no, she's she's like, I don't want any pie. And he's like, just go with me. We're gonna order pie. It'll be fine. And then he kind of spends a little time talking with the guy at the counter. I'm like, oh, I know what this is. No, you, I was completely. I was oblivious. Care. Apparently, you don't care nothing about no pie. You just want to talk to the cute guy behind the counter. Holy shit, that's adorable. Yeah, that went, um, that went over my head, apparently, okay. completely. Um, I apparently also did not catch the, like, I caught it, but I didn't understand the fridge full of pies. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I saw it, and I was like, what? 
you oh didn't put God, you didn't put it together. So I no, I that, thought that, he was just, that he's, he loves the pie so much. Nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> he's been going down there asking for pie that he's not eating because he just wants any excuse to talk to the guy Aww. behind the counter. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Okay. Then yeah. What? And, and I feel like it was also. Mm-hmm. Again, one of those things of showing showing the warts but not being you know, ex- explicit about it is, yeah, yeah again, the, the showed, reaction to him, yeah. and also, I feel like there was a subtle implication that that was why he got let go from the ad firm. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there's one mention of, like, potentially he had been drinking, like, like he might have been, been a recovering alcoholic, but, like, there's really only the one line where it's like, oh, are you drinking again? And he's like, nope, nope, I'm clean. Uh, but yeah. that's it. And, and and I feel like there's there's a little bit more of a Maybe subtle. Maybe it might have been a mix of he, the he, two. He might have gotten a little too drunk at a Christmas party and let oh, made a mistake. Let himself be a little bit too genuine in, in a moment, and people reacted, and they're like, "We're sorry, we have to let you go." And mm-hmm. oh, it's because of the drinking. Um, but it, in in reality, it's not because of the drinking. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I feel like again. That's that's probably me reading a little bit more into it, but. Mm-hmm. And but I, I think, think that's, that's... also Guillermo. Uh, that's Del Toro's uh, intent. You know, he, yeah. he does he does construct a lot of it for you, but he also allows you to kind of fill in the back end yourself if you want. Right. Like you and and of course it's like it's a like the fact that he spends so much time developing what is essentially a side character. Um, alone is is great. Like you don't need to go into all of like I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could write like a 400 page no- page novelization that goes in depth into each one of these characters and their backstories mm-hmm. leading up to the events in the movie. Um, but yeah, just just kind of just just kind of sprinkling it in there, and it's like that's all you need, and you can connect all the threads yourself and hypothesize on things yourself. Yeah, that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but no, I I fucking love this movie. <laughs> yeah, it was so like I just don't have enough words to describe it. It just it made me genuinely happy. Uh, yeah. Even with like the sad, mo- but I was like I was I was expecting um a potentially like bad ending but it it was so good like it got real magical like i mean i know it was magical to begin but like it got it got so much better yeah Um, and i and i feel like the fact that it is like by that point you forget that the movie starts with a framing device of we're being told a story uh until the narration comes in again at the end and he kind of like wraps things up and, and kind of implies that like he doesn't know if like what we're seeing is how it ended but it's how he chooses to believe it ended yeah and which I think again is based on how he was healed by yeah and the fact that she had those scratches on her neck yeah i was waiting for that payoff as, as soon as like oh she can't talk and she has these scars on her neck i'm like those scars look a damn damn lot like gills to me mm-hmm. i wonder what happened though because they never explain that no and i don't i don't think i i feel like again that was that was by design because mm-hmm. because again that final 
shot of them in the water and her coming back to life and, and sprouting the gills, that very well could just be um, her her friend's fantasy belief of how it ended. Of oh, what yeah? Like, that may not have ha- have actually happened, but that's what he chooses to believe happened. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's the happier ending. This is true. Um, and I agree, that's how I choose to believe it ended as well. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I want her to be surprised, also mere creature that somehow wound up being being abandoned to the uh the land world um and then finally coming back and kind of learning her heritage and stuff like that and being whisked away by the gill man mm-hmm. but but even more more so than that it felt like that was again not not just like that character but that that was Guillermo being mm-hmm. like being like this is when when I watch, you know, the creature from the Black Lagoon, this is the ending. This yeah. is this is the ending that is in my mind. In my mind, this is how that movie ends. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if that's what really happened or not. This is the ending, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Which, yeah, that's that's that that's that love, <laughs> that goofy ass love. Yeah. It's that cute love. Like, it's that realistic love, in my opinion. Like, weirdly realistic love. Like, the. Real. Fantastically. Both both realistic and both. both Very, very childish. Mm hmm. Like, because I can can relate to, to this a little bit more than I can say, like, the love actually romance, mostly because, like, I feel. Oh. And we're gonna get mushy. Warning, mm. spoilers. <laughs> um, but like, it's kind of similar to the love that I have for you. Like, I love you all, warts and bumps and all. Like, I don't care. You know, we've all got flaws, but like, you're my other half, and you make me happy. And I, like that underwater scene where she's floating with him and he's transferring. Uh, transforming her no, back at the into end. life. Yeah, yeah, like, the symbology for that, like, I think that's why I cried, because it just... Oh, no, it was It gorgeous. was happy tears, because it just reminds me so much of, even after ten years, I still get butterflies when I see you. <laughs> I still am so amazed by how cute you are when you're asleep, and it just, it reminds me of, like, that strong, like, genuine... Like wholehearted love that I just I legitimately have for you. Is mm. it unconditional? No, because no love is unconditional. We all know we have breaking points. Right. Um, you know, that's because it's unfair to say that there's unconditional love, but that didn't feel like unconditional love. It just felt like appreciating each other's flaws. Yeah. And 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 genuinely just appreciating each other for who they were. And that to me that 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 that's a very much an innocent kind of like yeah that's the level of yeah. where, where i say it's it's kind of a childish and maybe like i don't mean childish in the like mm-hmm. in a, like in a necessarily immature way but like that that innocent pureness Pure. that that you yeah. have that you really kind of only largely get to have when you are a child mhm <clears throat> so yeah when i say childish i don't mean it in a judgmental kind of way mostly in a pure like 
clear definition of, you know, it's it's kind of the way a child experiences and interacts mm-hmm. with the world, where it's very pure and innocent and straightforward. Um, yeah, like they don't get into the complicated details, and I like honestly, I appreciate that. Like, the, it did an amazing job of focusing on the love between Eliza and Gilman. Mm-hmm. And um you know it focused on that love and yeah there were there were a lot of complicated complicated questions that surprisingly did not run across my mind as I was watching this movie because while I was enjoying this lovely <clears throat> love scene it kept distracting me from all the well how is this going to work questions with the what, like the logistics subtle, of yeah like the logistics like, I didn't even mating. I didn't even question it because no. I it, like they did such a good job <coughs> of, of tying it in with realistic woes you know you were more concerned as to how she was going to free him as opposed to how they were going to stay together like right. That that it, it, it or or you know how that 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 the that the tango under the sheets worked or in this case under <laughs> the, the water banging. the bang so like I didn't I didn't even question that because he well did I do such, I do love that there there job. is specifically a scene to address where his dick is <laughs> like I, like again and again those are the little sprinkles of like realism. Mm-hmm. Just, just sprinkled along. Right, to, but to, they answered to it. Just, and, and yeah, you don't need to go in explicit detail. You don't need. Mm-hmm. You don't need a diagram. You don't need to even see it. Even though I very much wanted to see Gilman's dick, um, you don't need to see it. Mm-mm. You just need her little like hand motions of like this is how it does, and you're like, oh okay, I can picture that. <laughs> Makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but I just I I loved it. Like it, it it answered you know any questions that you might have potentially been pondering, but it distracted you so much with everything yeah. else going on and all the other characters that it it did a really good job juggling like enough to where like you didn't question logistics of it. You honestly really didn't give a care. No, you were like, oh. They're in because, love. That's adorable. Because, and oh my god, look at all this other stuff. Even even though and... yeah, even though mm-hmm. you know Doug Jones has you know as usual has a entire body covered in practical effects and and you can't see his face or nothing, um, and and she can't speak. Uh, they have an amazing chemistry together. They really do. It's so <laughs> cute. Like they Man. like from the very oh, beginning, they have this yeah. kind of weird kind of connection that feeding that, the eggs. Yeah, ah, I just I can't. It was so cute. It, it just ugh, ugh. I, there's ugh. I just my and, heart. And, and it my ties heart. into like kind of the start of the movie where where it's very underwater dreamscape mm-hmm. and whatnot and. and Kind of just her reaction to the water in general, like all that's that's why I feel like even though the he loves the, ver- the water, the the very end of it when she sprouts gills, like that could just be you know her roommate's fantasy about the happy ending. It could just as equally be legitimate because all throughout the movie, again, very subtly, she has this very clear connection to and and affinity for water. 
Right, right, right. Like the whole time, like the even, and I'm going to bring it back again. Even the fact that that when she she self pleasures, it's in the tub. Mm-hmm. Because she goes in the water, and it makes her feel something different, and makes her mm-hmm. feel excited in one way or another. Um. And so yeah, no. When there's this thing that that lives in the water, she's kind of drawn to it because she's like, I too am. Strangely drawn to the water for some reason. Well, it's also uh, the fact that it's misunderstood, as is she. Because as is she, yeah. yeah. And then there's the connection yeah. there as well, where like he can't talk, I can't talk, so he doesn't know. Yeah, that whole scene with with her friend, where she's trying to describe to him the connection they have, and be like, mm-hmm. he doesn't know what I'm missing. Yeah. And that that broke my heart because, like, I get that on so many levels. Yeah, and I mean, everybody that's... in this was like so relatable because it's it's so freeing to be with someone that doesn't view you as broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, it's really, it's just, it's. It's just such a good feel. Like I can't even I can't even begin to explain it. And I like I I can only hope that I've done like the same for you. But like I, I don't know. It's just it's it's very I'm trying to think of. I can't think of the words for. Like there is no word for. It. It's just it's like a big breath of fresh air. It's so addicting too to just be in the presence of somewhere where you're just you're not you haven't had a messed up background you haven't (laughs) dealt with a lot of stuff you haven't had all this baggage Mm. and yes it's there and it's addressed but like that's not where i'm held at for it it's like yeah these were things and we'll address them as they come up you know and we'll work on it together I never feel like I'm alone. <clears throat> and I, I don't know, like that's that's such a great feeling. The the sensation of not being defined exclusively or or even at all by your flaws. Like yeah, I'm <clears throat> or, me, or, or for that you, matter or for that matter your scars. Yeah, to you I'm Nuffy. Hmm. That's all I am. That's all I am to you. I'm not Nuffy, the one with ADHD. I'm not Nuffy with severe PTSD and panic disorder. I'm not Nuffy with any of that. I'm just, I'm, I'm Nuffy to you. And that's all I'll ever be. Because you don't judge me based on the mistakes that I constantly make. Or have <laughs> made. You know, because yeah. I'm human. But you, you understand and you work with me and you let me be me. And you also let me realize when I'm being stupid or insane or crazy, like the other day with the rat thing. (laughs) Like, no, like it, it, this movie just touches and, and it, it, it made my heart happy. And like, I want to, I just need to hug Totoro right now because it was a beautiful movie. He did a beautiful job and he is a beautiful, he has a beautiful, beautiful brain. Yeah, and, and I appreciate it, and I'm crying right now because. <laughs> and listen, Aunt Flo came to visit. Oh and no! I'm, I'm more emotional than I usually am, and I just love you a lot. And we're coming towards our 10 year anniversary, so I'm getting even more sentimental. Apparently. Oh frick! I'm like <laughs> I love him so much. He's such a cute 
man. <laughs> you you can feel free to edit all of that out. By oh the no! I mean, uh, uh, listen. I I know it makes you uncomfortable. No, it's it doesn't. It's fine. I if there's any discoveries that I don't know how to respond because you don't have you respond I'm the best way that you. <laughs> well, no, you just you respond the best way that you do, and you've always done, and you're there for me. So no. that's all I ask for. And you know, you you give you give me cuddles, so I can't <laughs> complain. I like cuddles, but uh, yeah, no, it, it's just so I don't have enough words for this. It's just I wish I could like email my emotions to anybody that like listens to this or something. Because it's just, <laughs> email your that's... emotions to Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, just... he'll just respond back same. <laughs> Right? I, I I can only hope that would that would make. Oh man, I think he's on Twitter. I need to follow him yeah. on Twitter. Like, I just. But yeah, no, and I like oh, Doug Jones. I love Doug Jones. Oh, Doug Jones is so good. Right. Uh, oh, also, so good shock, shockingly, and I just now realized that this this is one of the very 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 few Guillermo del Toro movies that does not have Ron Perlman in it. Which is God. now that I think about it, kind of surprising. I, I, because yeah, Ron Perlman has been a Guillermo del Toro regular since the very beginning, since Kronos. Just, oh yeah, no, I just wonder if uh, maybe it was something more so along the lines of maybe like scheduling issues, because that's entirely. Oh maybe, and, and again, a, a Guillermo del yeah. Toro movie does not need Ron Perlman to Mm-mm. be a true Guillermo del Toro movie. Or anything like that, and and yeah, no, it, like, and the movie is fine, fine without him. It's just it was something that didn't even occur to me until right now that I'm like, oh shit, Ron wasn't in this movie. I honestly, like, I never even I, really registered that in my a, head at a, all. Apropos of nothing at all, I'm not implying anything <laughs> because I genuinely don't know. And there are some movies where it's just like. Like, Kurt Russell is a John Carpenter regular. There's a lot of John Carpenter movies that, even after they mm-hmm. started making movies together, that Kurt Russell isn't in. I mean, save it's, for uh, it's, Tarantino. It's, yeah, it's not It's not because John and Kurt aren't still real good friends. Like, you see them, when they whenever they get together, you see just how good of friends they are. But mm-hmm. they, they also have very different uh, careers and... Sometimes the stars don't align, and sometimes the projects you're working on don't fit well for other people, mm-hmm. even if they're yeah. regulars and good friends. So, yeah, it happens, you know. Some you try, just, but you can't. You know, I'm sure they all realize you can't be there for everybody all at once. Yeah, and I mean, I wouldn't even say that. Like, clearly, like the movie didn't need Ron Perlman. It it wouldn't <laughs> it wouldn't have been diminished by Ron Perlman, but it doesn't need Ron mm-hmm. Perlman. Uh, and he got a lot of other great uh, character actors. I, I particularly enjoyed seeing uh, David Hewlett in this. Uh, David Hewlett, uh, probably best known for he was in, he was a regular on Stargate Atlantis. Oh, see, that's why I'm not familiar with him. What was he in in this movie? Uh, he was the the uh, former security chief. The guy he had he had like kind of glasses and and like the weird kind of shaved sides. 
He was the dude with uh, Michael Shannon in the car uh, spying uh, on the Russian guy, and, and Michael Shannon is, get out. And he's like, but but this is my car. <laughs> he's like, oh, shut up and funny. get out. It's like, you want me to get out of my car? <laughs> that guy. That's right, um, yes. which, which I love him, so, so it was really cool getting to see him. Um, so, so yeah, there were, there were great little kind of like side character uh, moments as well mm-hmm. that that I very much enjoyed seeing in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there you go. This this, pro- this movie is proof that that I'm not immune to the the romance genre, Mm-mm. but kind of similarly to the musical genre, like you gotta have like I'm not gonna be like, oh, it's a musical. Well, I'm fully erect. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna be like, yeah, I don't care. Like, like, what was the one? That, yeah, I think, I think you and Fish were trying to get me to watch it at some point, and everybody else is very aroused by it. And Hamilton, and I'm sure Hamilton is amazing. It is actually really good. Yeah, but I, I just have no interest. I just really? don't care. No, and, I and that's, found it and interesting because it was something that actually made me interested in American history. And, and you're not alone, and I understand that, and I appreciate that. And I'm sure it's it's an amazing uh, musical, but it's just, okay, it's a musical. I have zero interest. Yeah. It's, it's, a, music, it's a musical about American history. I still have zero interest. <laughs> oh, I yeah. Don't, I don't care. And then, and then you say say, oh, well, there's Repo the Genetic genetic Opera. It's a musical. I have zero interest. It's a musical about a sci-fi horror dystopian future where people go around, where where Giles from Buffy goes around carving organs out of people's chests and and Bill Moseley, Ogre from Skinny Puppy, and Paris Hilton are, are mutant... Like half breeds that have had multiple organ transplants. Okay, now I'm interested. <laughs> right. Now you have my any, attention because it's relevant to my that, interests. Yeah, I think any musical that as well has horror in the in it. Exactly. Like it's it's thing. got the tie-in of like it's also a horror film. <laughs> um, or or like like Cannibal the musical. It's like oh well, I'm sold. Mm-hmm. It's a musical. About cannibals. That sounds yeah. hilarious. Please <laughs> give that to me. So so yeah, this one the, the like yeah, it's 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 a romance film, it's a love story film, but it's it's a love story film about a monster. Mm-hmm. And like a proper monster. Yeah. Not not some GQ pretty monster like in warm bodies. Mm-mm. He was a slimy he, gill man. He's a slimy gill man. He's very bizarre looking, and again, the effects and everything like that, like, yeah, no, he looks absolutely stunningly beautiful, but he also very much looks like a monster, because he's he a monster. Mm-hmm. In, in, the, in the kind of generic definition of, of the word, like, he, he is a monster. He's the Gill Man. Mm-hmm. He's, that, he's not straight up the creature from the creature from the Black Lagoon, but he's basically the creature from the creature from the Black Lagoon. He's a monster. Right. Yeah. But he's beautiful. God, he is gorgeous. He's beautiful in his in his monstrousness. Yeah, and he's scary. He can be scary too oh, when he wants to be. 
Well, that, that, and that comes to, to why this tied for favorite kill. And, and also mm-hmm. why it got, um, I think, most quotable from me. Which is, mm-hmm. at, at the end, when he gets pissed. Oh, yeah. And he takes out Strickland. And Strickland just looking up at him and seeing that he is regenerated. And, and is like, is you, like, are, you a are a god. And then, bam, throat slash. I'm like, holy fuck. I was like, <clears throat> aw, damn. <laughs> I was like, I knew it was gonna happen. And, it, and, it, and his back frills shoot out. It's yeah. like, oh, no. You made him mad, and he makes that, that the inhuman... Mm-hmm. I was just like, I love him. Mm-hmm. He is. He is and, and again, and, and even his encounter with his initial encounter with the cat. Mm-hmm. And again, these little moments sprinkled through. It's that was just, so it's just like, like watch, he, he's he's too. beautiful, like, and no. he has he has such such like kind of emotion to him as well, and he, he's not just an animal, clearly. But mm-hmm. at the same time, there are these moments sprinkled in where it's like, no, he's still a monster. <laughs> of some caliber, he is still a monster. Not an evil monster, but mm-hmm. a monster. He's an animal. He, yeah, he's, he's yeah, a little Yeah, that, he's that a little part beastly. was hard to watch. Like, I got it, and I understood Predator yeah. Prey. But mm-hmm. I was just like, oh no, kitty. Oh no, kitty. <laughs> because the effects were also really good. Oh yeah. And that's I, why it was hard, because I was like... And again, that was another moment. That was another moment where I'm like, "Oh no, this can go two ways." Mm-hmm. Like, like where where he he kills the cat, and then then he he runs out and he cuts the um the friend's arm and everything like mm. that. And I'm I'm like, this can go two ways. Either either he can go super aggro and be be like, "This thing can't stay here. It's a monster. You need to get rid of it. Send it back." Or you could go the direction that the movie chose to go in, which I think is mm-hmm. the better choice. Mm-hmm. Where, where he's just like, "I'm not mad. I understand." He was he, he's a, he's an animal. He was scared. It's okay. Like he's like, I kind of don't want to be around him right now because, understandably, it's a little it's a little it's sensitive right now. But but he's he's like, I get it. It it wasn't his fault, and. He was just startled, and he didn't understand. And it's like, God, that's just, again, such a such a pure, innocent, like, childish takeaway to it. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of, like, really beautiful. And, and also just, we get the scene afterwards where he comes back, and he's he's interacting with the other cats, and he, like, you can tell, like, he gets right, it now. Right, that was so He gets cute. it. He's, he's, he's like, he's like, okay, I like these little guys now. He's like, oh no. Like and you could tell he also felt bad about what he had done. He did. To the point and that he cured baldness. That, yeah, <laughs> he did cure baldness. But like he he was so flipping cute when he was playing with the other cats. And you just see the other dude just nervously being like No no, um, leave leave the cats alone. Leave the no no yeah. no. Yeah, he, he's like, oh man, one of those cats is gonna hiss at him and this is gonna go south real fast all over again. No 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 no. <laughs> Although I don't know if I could be as forgiving if it had eaten my gray. Yeah. Again, like when again, like that that kind of childish, innocent purity where like like he like the fact that he was able to process that and come to that 
conclusion like pretty fast where it's like you know what i can't i can't blame him Mm -hmm. like it is it's a little fantastical perhaps a little unrealistic although at the same time from what we saw of that character i bought it Mm -hmm. um and again it's just of, of 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 the two directions you could go with it, like that's it, it again. It's similar to like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like of the two directions you can go with it, here's the happy ending. Mm-hmm. Because because why not? Why why not have yeah. the happy ending? The, the the realistic ending is is depressing and sad. Yeah, and and, and the realistic and, ending also because like. And and, already... if we, and and we have the option, we have the choice as as creators, as filmmakers, to not have that ending. So why wouldn't we? Yeah. Well, and then also, on a, in all honesty, it's actually a realistic ending in this universe, at least, because yeah, yeah. she he. It's not like he didn't show <clears throat> magical regeneration powers. Yeah. So it is. It is perfectly logical to assume that he could heal everything and potentially convert old scars you know regardless of the background we choose to create for it mm-hmm. um you know heals them back into heals them either back into or turns them into gills yeah oh I no mean, i completely buy strickland it strickland said it yeah strickland said it himself you are a god he is a god yeah he has very special powers. and again like and it probably helps too that like I've I recently have seen reseen all the original Creature from the Black Lagoon movies and like yeah no this is not not a remake of those but you can see just how much they're inspired by them and mm-hmm. and ba- it basically just takes a lot of the ideas that were in the original and tells it from the perspective of someone who loves the monster yeah where and and pays the monster the respect it deserves where where like yeah no it it's a god <laughs> it it's not it's not necessarily just a god in the the wor- fictional world that we're seeing it in it's a god to Guillermo del Toro like this is mm-hmm. this is something um um fuck what's the word Essentially, this is something something got uh, otherworldly, uh, not otherworldly. That too, deity. Not even deity. This is something holy. Essentially, uh, uh, this is sacred. Yeah, this is something holy. This is something sacred. Um, this is something not necessarily to be be worshipped, but kind of to be worshipped, mm-hmm. like like. Awe-worthy? Yeah, I mean all of these things. Uh, like I don't, yes. I don't know if it, any of it is the word I'm trying to think of, but like all of them are accurate, I would say. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's how it comes across. Like, and it, it's cool that it comes across both as something in the movie setting itself, as well as very clearly. Again, kind of that Lars von Trier thing of like the the director putting themselves into the work to have a conversation with themselves and and just basically transpose themselves in, into these fictional worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. O- only with this, it's it's a lot more <laughs> just philo- like doomsaying, philosophizing, and 
like armchair armchair um, philosophy and more just like I'm a fully grown man that grew up on monster movies and fell in love and now I'm a fully grown man that's in love with monsters and let me have a conversation with myself about that and just kind of wallow uh, again, not not in a negative way, but just just wallow in my love of of being in love with a monster, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and explore that and, and share it with everyone. Which I think that is what makes the movie to me so beautiful, and what what made me get choked up numerous times while watching it. Mm-hmm. It's just it wasn't so much seeing the characters falling in love and and interacting and everything like that. It was it was seeing how much Guillermo loved everything. Yeah. in that movie. But yeah, I think that's that might be. I feel like I've talked yeah, in circles that's... and talked way too much on stuff, but I don't know we, if I have anything we were, else to we talk were about. We're very tangenty today, but you know what? It's all good. I it's mean, that's Halloween. the show. It's spoopy. Yeah, it's well, it's, it's, all, it's talks. We get nearly Halloween deep. when we're recording this. I don't know when we get it out. Ah, true. Yeah. I, st- I think wow. I'm still like part of the way through ep- editing episode four of Spook Show. It's just tough. Are you still? Oh, I'll, I'll talk to you about once we're done. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So. Uh, oh fuck! Water I got. got oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything yeah. from me. Um. With the it really did. Yeah, yeah, it really. I well, and it help. tied I it so for much. FX. Yeah. Yeah, for SFX. Um, but. Uh, favorite poster was the shape of the water. I just I'm in love with that underwater thing, like the, the entire visual. Yeah. Um, favorite story, I I do enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, comfy. I could watch that movie. That movie could be on in the background. I don't know if it's quite to once upon a time in Hollywood levels. Right. Like, but if I feel like having a good like, I want to feel warm and fuzzy. Yeah. And then I want to cry a little bit. I'd watch this. Um, and then it got sleeper hit for me because I, I, I don't feel like enough people talk about this, even though I know it's pretty popular. Mm. Um, very quotable. Yes, I agree with that one. Favorite music. I, I can't. I love 50s and 60s music. I can't help it. It's so good. No, yeah, like no, that, I love the yeah, music in this. It, yeah, it just, it won for uh, me. That's why not that the music was bad in Wolfman, but, like, I just, I, <clears throat> I really loved the music more, like, in Shape of Water. Yeah. Uh, and then it got Mr. Entertaining, because, yeah, I, I, I will admit the story did bore me quite a lot with Wolfman, <laughs> and I was more paying attention to the characters. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, this one is... It's more of a unique uh, story. Where, like, again, yeah. the, like I, I like the story in the Wolfman just because of how how familiar it was to the original kind of Universal monster movies, while while still mm-hmm. adding its own like modernizations to the story and unique twists on the story. So I enjoyed mm-hmm. that. But but at its core, it is just kind of a a leisurely little gothic horror type of tale um which isn't particularly like oh especially compared to shape of water like shape of water was a compelling story a compelling mm-hmm. kind of familiar and yet unique story um that really drew you in 
Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Oh, for me? Uh, mm -hmm. They got a lot for me, too. Yeah, favorite story, favorite poster, which I... I usually, favorite poster is the first one I pick, because I just look at the posters, because that's the first thing, like, we usually post. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's pretty easy to to make a judgment call this time. Like it took me until after watching both the movies to then go back and like look at them both because they're both kind of samey ish. Mm -hmm. Like neither of them really like jumped out at me as being like really striking posters. But then I guess in the context of having seen them both, like looking back at the Shape of Water poster, I was I was like, no, that is a beautiful shot. Mm -hmm. Um. It got most quotable. Yeah, you are a god. Yeah, <laughs> it was very strong. But now I think about it, like I never trust a man, even when he's flat down there. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, her her signing out "fuck you" to Strickland. Right. Oh my god, that whole scene, like that. What did she after 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 they break him out and she gets him, and, and I think also after she gets laid. <laughs> by him right like that that little smile that she had every time she went into work and every time she saw him knowing that she had fucked him over was just so good <laughs> just her right? just, she's like you don't know what i'm saying <laughs> she's spelling <laughs> out fuck you <laughs> right? just over and over and over again <laughs> oh, my God. oh it's so good mm -hmm. um we tied for favorite music uh, and uh, it got favorite special effects because yeah, no the God the 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 suit that that Doug was in was just beautiful. Also, like I don't even think we mentioned the the black and white musical scene where she oh, sings. Yeah, that was yeah, that was beautiful. Mm hmm. That's just that's just a random aside that that. I almost forgot to even mention, but like, God, that whole set, that little transition into that, I'm just like, oh my God, this mm -hmm. is Guillermo. I don't know if you're allowed to share this much love. Stop. But don't. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I can't, my heart can't handle it. Like, it's like not you, so Guillermo, stop. You're going to get in trouble, but like, also, mm -hmm. don't stop. Um, so yeah, I guess we can go into the, the ranked movies and then the. Custom category, which is favorite monster. Uh, rank, uh, ranked movies for me is Shape of Water and The Wolfman. Same. Yeah, and then favorite monster for me was The Shape of Water and then The Wolfman. Oh, for me it was uh, Tide. Tide, yeah. Which I, 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 yeah, I can see that too. Yeah, I couldn't. It, it was, like it we was were, tough. We, like these, these, yeah, these two movies were like neck and neck in my mind. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I separated the creatures from the movies themselves, and I just kind yeah. of took a look at them, and, like, how they were portrayed, how they, like, kind of presented themselves, especially in this one. Because, like, mm. I, I do think, like, monster, the monster genre is my favorite genre. Um, it's I, I do think, it's I do something think, special, for sure. Yeah, like, I think it's my favorite genre, followed closely by, by like, Asian folklore, or just actually, honestly, folklore. Folklore mm. horror is my my second favorite. But yeah, no, I I really love just monsters in any variety that it has so far that I've seen. And you know, they can be everything. They can be terrifying, but they can also be comfortable and cozy. And I love how versatile they are. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know it got tied for me because I couldn't like looking at each of the creatures. They were both presented well. They both, you know, both actors who were portraying each said creature did a phenomenal job. Yes. Um, I couldn't pick, so I was just like, <laughs> "You're tied. You're tied." So, yeah, I I was yeah. very happy with these movies. So, what are we? What are we watching? Well, we gotta. Oh, we gotta. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so excited. I'm sorry. Also, I just now, like five minutes ago, remembered that it's my turn to pick. So yes, it is. I'm kind of scrambling to figure out something. Um, Oh no. But okay. So for for base scores, uh, Wolfman kill count. I counted 25 people getting knocked off or already being dead in that movie. Mm -hmm. Big old big old kill count. Uh, And alcohol count is seven for Mm -hmm. a total of 32. Uh, Shape Shape of Water had uh, four kills that I counted, uh, six instances of nudity, and three instances of mm-hmm. uh, banging mm-hmm. for a total of 13. Um, and then for, for the scores that really matter, although not really <laughs> in this show, uh, Shape of Water won it with 110 points. And then the Wolfman got 65. Mm. Yeah. I gave, I gave Wolfman way more points. You know, I gave Wolfman 40. You gave it uh, only 25. Mm-hmm. And uh, I liked it. I just, oh, yeah. No, I that's... I like Chapel more, yeah. That came, that came across. Yeah, I, my, my split was like 40 to Wolfman, 50 to Shape of Water. Yours is 25 to Wolfman and 60 to Shape of Water. Listen, for, for some, some merman, apparently. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Oh. All right. Now I got to figure out what in the mm-hmm. hell. November. November. It's true. It's November. What did we do last November? I think it was November again. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, You're it was it was it was, it was it was it was it was giant snacks. Oh, that's right. That's right. I did giant hey. snacks. Come on. You're being rude. Her tail is like flicking stuff around. <laughs> and she decided to lay in the most inconvenient spot on my desk. Alright, thanks to the magic of movie editing, we we know what we're doing next month. Mm-hmm. We're, doing, we're we're revisiting a theme that was done on uh, the Spook Show, I think last year. Cannibals mm-hmm. for, for for a little mini November uh, thing, and I'm gonna go with the classic cannibal flick, Cannibal Holocaust. Okay, so you're going serious. You're yeah, going sure. serious. <laughs> I know what we're watching. I know what we're watching. Oh no! None of these are going to be new movies. I'm sorry. Oh. Uh. Um, I can't remember the name. Oh, mm. okay. Mm, it's uh, it's the one where it we watched it. Ravenous. No. no. Oh, Ravenous is so good, but no, no, I'm saving that one specifically for when we watch it with like fish and kettle. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I want all of us to talk about that one. I'm saving that for whenever the option arises. But um, 
No, uh, it's the one we watched. It was older. It was about the lady at the university, and they went out down to like the cannibals in California. The oh, avocado can- oh. cannibals. Yeah, the the oh, fuck. What's that one called? Cannibal. Cannibals of the avocado jungle. Cannibal women in the avocado jungle of death. Yes, from yes. 1989. That's, yes. that's the that one. That is my pick. Oh, dear. I pick it. <laughs> I pick it. I want to watch it again. All right. <laughs> I mean, that's okay. that's about the best pairing I think you could do with Cannibal Holocaust, I think. I mean, how can we not? It's ridiculous. It is a comedy parody, though. Oh, it's not. Oh, uh, no, it's not horror. I can't. I would. I don't care what they label it. I say, like, if that's the one you want to do, I say count. I just like more people to know of it. It's great. No, I, I have absolutely no problem. Like, no. (laughs) Okay. Oh, I mean, it is predominantly a comedy parody film. I would agree on that, but it's a comedy. What's it a parody of? Uh, cannibals? Yeah, cannibal movies. Horror mm-hmm. movies. So. Yeah, you're yeah, right, you're right. It gets you're right. in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, um... Oh, God, I just saw it. It's, I, I didn't realize this. It, it's a full moon movie. Yeah, it's a full moon release. It's true. I didn't... I didn't even realize that. I didn't know that. And mm-hmm. I love them that much more. And, because... <laughs> We watched one of their movies, Puppet Master, for our show, uh, for our big show. So. Yeah, and, and I don't think it was it was Full Moon, but uh, Charles Band was also involved in uh, the making of Dolls. Mm. So we basically watched two Charles Moon killer puppet movies <laughs> for Spook Show. I mean, this month I enjoyed uh, myself, but we will get into that yeah, then. I was just like, yeah, it's very mm-hmm. fitting. Like, it wasn't planned, mm-hmm. but it's like, you, you can't pick four movies from about killer dolls and not somehow pick two Charles Band-related ones, because <laughs> the man has a subgenre that he's delved a lot of his company into, so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, cannibals with uh, cannibal holocaust and cannibal women in the avocado jungle of death. Yeah. That's gonna be fun. The Avocado Jungle of Death is in California, guys. Watch it. Watch <laughs> it. You know you want to. Do it. Yeah. Well, that one at least is uh, free on Tubi as well. So. Hey. Easy. Mm-hmm. They did digitally remaster it, though, so you might oh. pick that up. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually, please pick it up. It has Adrian Barbell in it. It does. How can you not? <laughs> Wasn't Adrienne Barbeau in Carnival too? Yes. Yes. Yeah, many, many oh things. man, look at me. I'm. I'm no, but like that's the thing. I like. I'm looking at her right now, and I'm like, she was hot. Or she <laughs> still is hot, but like she is. recently, I remember her being hot in Carnival. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's where that tangent was going, but yeah, I was like. Oh. Look, I'm so good at this. I'm so much better at this. I'm proud of myself. But. All right. 
Mm-hmm. Um, do it for the spoop. Yeah. It was good. Mm-hmm. I have fun. I'm looking forward to next month because, man, I'm looking forward to discussing cannibal women in the avocado jungle. <laughs> 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 